Guys, the airport is new. It's lovely. There's a bar. Is that... I'm setting a pretty low bar for airports, but it's delightful. I think that's... Uh standard for airports it's like a basic means of living every airport has to have at least one bar yeah and then there were four just four teams remaining in 2019 contesting the 2019 gray cup and that means we've only got two more weeks of CFL Fantasy coming at you. Welcome to the CFL Fantasy Podcast Playoff Edition, presented by Leo Vegas. Yes, after the semifinal Sunday is now in the books, we get set we get set for Sunday in the West Division Final and the East Division Final. Go to cflfantasy.tsn.ca where you can plop yourself in the GM chair and make some of the most difficult decisions of the season. We've taken away a position at wide receiver and a position at running back, so it's just five players and only a $30,000 salary cap. The prices will be, uh, the prices stay the same. The scores, rather, will be a whole lot lower, and the decisions become that much more difficult. We got a ton to talk about on today's show. The Eskimos and Blue Bombers have moved on, both with road wins. This week, the Tiger Cats and Rough Riders make their playoff debuts, hosting Edmonton and Winnipeg, respectively. We'll also talk about that Bombers defense and how they shut Bo Levi Mitchell on the Stampeders down in the second half and what can we expect from both Dane Evans and Cody Fajardo in their first ever playoff starts but first Trevor Harris he was a hot topic coming into the postseason because we just didn't know what he was going to do let's welcome everybody to the podcast my name is Pat Steinberg Jeff Creever I'm not quite sure where he is right now he's somewhere uh, between the Maritimes and BC and I know that <laughs> Hannah Nordman is in Saskatchewan that's where I that, that's the best I can do for locations, but uh, Jeff, Hannah, and Pat, along with you on the CFL Fantasy Podcast. I am uh, sitting in my living room right now, a nice little pit stop in between Montreal and Oh, you got to go home? I thought, Winnipeg. I thought I that you traveled the entire time. Yeah, I did. Now, I, this, is rare, this is rare for me. I've done the whole three weeks in the playoffs and, and packed two bags and, and the whole thing. Uh, this time, not doing it. Just a quick stop. I'm switching from Eastern coverage to Western coverage, uh, heading out to Winnipeg, uh, and then I will go to Regina for the game, and then I will go to Calgary. So actually, it's it's weird because my connecting flight from uh, from Winnipeg to Regina actually it, it connects in Calgary. So I, I'm having to go an entire province past my destination. <laughs> Getting on another plane and then going backwards. It's really weird. Air air travel. Hey? It's one of those what's the deal? So how with do air you travel? how do you fly out of how do you fly out of Winnipeg? So like you gotta drive to Brandon and then fly out of Brandon? Because there's no please. airport in Winnipeg. <laughs> ah, legendary. Never gets old. And it drives <laughs> Hannah crazy. Oh, it never it does. It drives Hannah crazy. Especially every time. when you have uh, a, a Winnipegger on the podcast. I couldn't resist. Guys, the airport is new, it's lovely. There's a bar. Is that? I'm setting a pretty low bar for airports, but it's delightful. I think that's uh, standard for airports. It's like a basic means of living. <sighs> Every airport has to have at least one bar. Yeah. Trevor Harris was okay last week, right? On Sunday. <laughs> he was okay. Not bad. He was all right. I mean, he might have he might have one upped himself from what he did last year. Remember what yeah. he did last year in the East Division final? He might have one upped himself. Maybe. I mean, the per, I don't know. The percentage was like 
1% better. And he, he was five touchdowns short on the touchdown department. That's uh, true. But he threw six <laughs> last year. Yeah. Either way, the fact that we're talking about this is pretty ridiculous. Uh, by the way, official playoff stats. Uh, playoff games are kept separate from Grey Cup games. So if you're compiling Trevor Harris's last two playoff starts, uh, which would be this previous one against Montreal and last year's uh, against Hamilton, it's it's pretty shocking, the numbers. I, I highly recommend getting out your calculator and adding them up. He's over 90% either way because Harris uh, breaking his own record for completion percentage in a game. And I believe he came two completions shy of, here's a name, Kerwin Bell uh, for the most completions in a playoff game. Uh, Kerwin Bell had 38 uh, and Trevor Harris was 36. He was 36 of 39, uh, by the way, against the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, concerns about his shoulder and his arm after missing some time going into the game. Concerns about rust. He's only made one start uh, since being injured on September 7th. Fair to say we're not worried about any of that anymore. Uh, Pat and Hannah, were you surprised that Harris put up the numbers that he did against the Montreal Alouettes? Well, I did say I wasn't worried about rust because he's Trevor Harris, but you uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head talking about Montreal's defense. You said they were a defense that can be exploited, and they sure were. Man, 36 of 39, just carved them. Well, for me, I was a little surprised, but then my surprise wore off pretty quickly. And, and I think that maybe, and I, I think I was absolutely guilty of it. I wrote this on, on CFL.ca in the Monday morning quarterback, but I, I think that I was a little guilty of forgetting how experienced Trevor Harris is in big games and what he's learned, both positive and negative, from his last two years in the playoffs. And and I also I also think that I maybe bought too much into the fact that he only had the one start in two months. And and I feel like a, a player of Harris's caliber and with Harris's experience. He was the one who made the call not to start Week 21 against Saskatchewan. Um, and, and if he believed that that was best for his shoulder, best for his arm, and he believed that was going to give him the best chance to have success come the East Division semifinal probably should have just deferred to him because at this point in his career I don't know if anybody knows better than he does so while I was surprised it was very momentary surprise because I was like yeah you know what I probably should have expected this I was probably buying too much into some of the narratives so look this guy's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the history of the CFL and he was the he was the only way the Eskimos were going to beat the Alouettes, and he was the driving force as to why the Eskimos beat the Alouettes. That was a really impressive performance. I know that I, I hyped up the matchup. I loved the situation for Trevor Harris going into that game. And I had a lot of Eskimos in my lineup throughout the week when they were vastly underplayed in fantasy. We were looking at some of the pick trends last week, and we were seeing a lot of the names that were not Edmonton Eskimos. C.J. Gable was like the sixth-owned player. And I'll tell you a little story. I, I, I like to, so I, I walked from my hotel to, to the game uh, in, in Montreal. I was in Montreal covering this one. And I, I like to go on a little walk. It was a nice day. I just go through the city and, and the downtown area, um, walking up the hill. And it was about an hour and a half before the game. And I was standing outside just around the sideline in the end zone, though, and watching Trevor Harris throw. And 
that was when I made the decision. Call it ridiculous, I don't care. But that was when I made the decision. I thought, you know what, Trevor Harris, he looks good. And I know it was warm-ups, but the arm was just... He was accurate. It was a nice, tight spiral, and and he was he was hitting every receiver on a dime. And you know what? I, I for a quarterback that's hot and cold, I took it as an omen, and I said, "All right," because I'd thought about going Vernon Adams and, and Pat and Hannah. You both made compelling arguments for Adams as well as Trevor Harris. And at that point, um, I went up to the press box and and I sat down and I told Chris O'Leary, who who also covered the game for us, uh, I said, "I think Trevor's going to have a great game." He looks like he's ready to ball out. And and sure enough, he did it. He did it. And the, I don't know. There was something about that Alouette's defense also that, that sort of reminded me of that Ticats situation last year where Trevor Harris just wasn't under pressure. And, and we can talk about what we saw and, and why Harris was able to have so much success. But if you're not getting any pressure on Trevor Harris from your front four, you can't blitz him. You can't throw... A bunch of guys at him because he gets the ball out quick he'll find the mismatches he'll read a defense quickly he'll find the open guy if you don't have those three four guys up front that are beating offensive the offensive linemen I don't think you've got a chance and to me that's that's what I was seeing in that game it's it's funny because I just realized as Jeff you were talking right there I just realized that for the first time ever and totally unintentionally Pretty sure I broke my I broke our cardinal rule and I did not start uh, a lock of the week. I oh. I, I think that I oh. went against I, I think I went against our cardinal rule and I didn't even remember it because I I was pretty set on where I was going on Tuesday and uh, Tuesday or Wednesday and then I couldn't make all the salaries work so I just deleted everything in the playoffs and didn't no have less. a roster at all. And I, di- I didn't have a roster at all. And then on Saturday night, I'm like, okay, let's put my roster in. And everything changed. And I totally forgot about my lock of the week. So uh, I, I had Harris in my lineup. I had Harris, Collins, and Ellingson all in my lineup, which which ended up being okay. The, the other two spots that I filled out didn't help me at all. But those three ended up being pretty good for me. Um, so, yeah, I, I, so I, I, if I remember correctly, my lock of the week came on the other side from Montreal. So uh, I apologize. Apologize profusely for accidentally breaking our cardinal rule. Does the three-minute warning mean nothing to you? <laughs> Apparently not. That's wow. that's a, that's a penalty. That's a violation. I can't say anything because I've, I've violated say anything. It a few times myself. Uh-huh. It's those it's yeah, those early it recordings. Times. It's what did we do this on Wednesday? That and was you're a talking Wednesday. about a Sunday game. Yeah, well, yeah, good but luck we're today. Up, we're setting up locks like five days before the game. That's tough. What are we going to do today? Especially when you have a five-person roster. Yeah, we're recording on a Monday this week. Uh, everybody's all around the country. Our schedules are all messed up. And uh, it, it's yeah, locking in early is going to be tough. I still haven't figured out my lock. I like to go, uh, much like I pick out my ties for Grey Cup, I like to sort of bring a bunch with me on the trip and, and make the decision on the day of the game. And I feel like it's going to be... The, the, Rod Black will be bringing up the three-minute warning, and I'll be panicking, wondering, all right, who's my lock this week? It's tough. Yeah, I don't know um, how it, Speaking it's, of that. It's going to be more of a suggestion than anything this week. I don't know. 
That's 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 that'll give the people confidence for sure. Uh, speaking of locks, I want to I want to touch one more time. I want to stick stick with the Trevor Harris one more time uh, before we turn it over to Pat for the semifinal rewind and uh, go over some of the results of the week. Um, but on that topic of Trevor Harris, as we talk about locks, because he'd be a pretty good one uh, after what he did last week, twenty points despite only throwing uh, one touchdown pass. So pretty pretty good still for Trevor Harris uh, in what is really a touchdown-dependent game for quarterbacks in this league. But um, after the game, Chris O'Leary asked Jason Moss if he felt, if he, if he could draw any comparison between Trevor Harris and Ricky Ray, because the two of them have, have played on the same team and they've had many of the same coaches and are, are quite similar in the way they play the game, high-efficiency passes, and, and uh, Trevor Harris completing passes at an efficiency like we've seen from Ricky Ray. Uh, I thought it was really interesting because Jason Moss said, yeah, he said Trevor Harris did remind him a lot of Ricky Ray uh, in, that semi, in that semifinal game on Sunday, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, the Thai Cats, they're one of the best defenses in the CFL. That's a bit of a different matchup. Uh, Pat and Hannah, before we move on, is Harris on your radar this week? Do you think he can put up a similar performance, or is it going to be a lot tougher for him? I definitely would say this is a tougher tougher matchup for him, but I still think this is the game that I'm targeting. I think I'm putting most of my dollars in the East once again. I think they're mostly coming on the Hamilton side of the ball. Um, but that's that's my Monday thoughts at the moment. I wouldn't be opposed to having players from both of these teams in my lineup. This is an interesting one because I I like both quarterbacks. You're getting a little bit of a break in terms of salary on Evans as opposed to Harris. It's about a $1,200 difference, which uh, on a 30K salary cap is is fairly significant. So you are getting a $1,200 difference uh, and a discount when it comes to Evans. I just... I wonder about this one because we are talking about two pretty solid defensive groups here. So I, I, I'm not as, whereas we had a pretty good feeling that Montreal Edmonton was going to be pretty high scoring. I'm not as convinced that this one's going to be uh, a super high scoring game. Like I don't think it's going to be nine, six, but I'm not sure it's going to end up with 60 plus points like we saw in the East division semi. So this this week, when it, when it comes to either matchup, I don't know if there are as um, there are as intriguing or or maybe as attractive looking matchups there. But yeah, I think that if you're looking at Harris, if you're looking at Evans, both are are very viable choices, and I think a lot of the weapons on both sides are too. I think we're looking at two pretty evenly matched games. So I'm I'm not I don't know if there's any that I would be any matchups that I'm keying in on, and I also don't know if there's any matchups or or any particular plays that I'm shying away from this week either. I think I'm I'm almost basing it, I would say for the first time in a while, the number one thing that I'm basing a lot of these decisions on is salary as opposed to the matchups and, and what I might be liking because I, I really do think that there's a, a lot of parity across the board this week. It's really crazy for me to think about this, but you're talking about, and you said it, Pat, you're talking about a 15-win team on what three weeks of rest now by this point because the, the Ticats barely played anybody in their last game of the season uh, a 15 win team playing against a team that finished below 500 and is having to play the entire playoffs in the in the row on the road in the opposite division uh, an eight win Eskimos team yet I think you're right on paper I think this is a pretty good matchup 
These are two teams that statistically should be pretty close. And now the Eskimos have Trevor Harris in the lineup. I think this is going to be a really interesting game. Uh, that said, I, I, I don't have nearly as much faith in Trevor Harris this week as I did last week. And it starts with that Ticats defense. You give Orlando Steinauer, who is one of the brighter defensive minds in this game, uh, basically two weeks, two to three weeks to prepare um, for, for, you know, and, and, and yeah, Vernon Adams... And, and Trevor Harris are two different quarterbacks, but knowing there's a good chance he's going to see Trevor Harris, uh, that's a lot of time to prepare. They're well-rested. Uh, but the biggest thing for me is that Ticats D-line gets pressure. They don't have to send exotic blitzes to get to Trevor Harris because Jaguar Davis, um, Dylan Wynn in the middle, Ted Laurent, uh, th- those are guys that one-on-one, they, they beat their matchups. They get to the quarterback, and they're going to cause a lot more issues for Trevor Harris uh, than he would have seen against the Montreal Alouettes. So to me, um, I don't know. Dane Evans interests me a little bit more this week. Uh, Cody Fajardo, if he's healthy, and we'll talk about those guys a lot later. But I think I have to put them higher than Trevor Harris right now. So we'll see if he proves me wrong. It'll be really interesting. I, I think it's going to be a great matchup. I think this game is going to be a lot closer uh, than people think. I think a lot of people see Hamilton as, as a heavy favorite. We'll see when the odds come out. Uh, I, I do believe Hamilton will probably be uh, favored by a touchdown in this game. That's my guess. But, man, I don't know. I, I think it's closer than that. So, Pat Hanna, unless you have anything to add, we'll move it along. We'll go to the semifinal rewind and, and look back on... Uh, on the week that was as the Grey Cup playoffs got underway. Okay, as we look back on semifinal Sunday, it really was as Trevor Harris goes, so do the Edmonton Eskimos. If you stocked up on Esks, you probably had a pretty nice fantasy week as the three highest scoring players all wore green and gold along with four of the top five. So CJ Gable and Greg Ellingson led the way, 20 points each. Trevor Harris, Ricky Collins were not far behind. The best player not with the Eskimos, here's a surprise, but it was Bombers receiver Darvin Adams, 18 and a half points, thanks to that huge 71-yard touchdown that really put the nail on the coffin of the Calgary Stampeders in the second half. Reggie Bagleton, William Stanback each had two touchdowns for the Stamps and Al's, respectively. Mario Alford and Dante Absher were two of the better bargain buys in a pretty lean week for fantasy. Finally, Rashid Bailey, Hergie Mayala, Bolivai Mitchell, Nadia Jay. Kamar Jordan, Jeremiah Johnson, and Tavon Smith all had less than five points. They would qualify as your semifinal Sunday bust. The Stamps defense, by the way, a hugely popular pick. They were in the red. Minus four points. I know that. I saw it. I had them on my roster. Winnipeg and Edmonton had the best defenses with nine and seven points each. Congratulations to B-Hags, or B-H-Eggs, who led the first week of the playoffs with 80 points. an incredibly savvy pick there of Kelvin McCarty uh, that really paid off. I'm impressed by that. I, I really am. At 2,500, uh, McCarty, a fullback uh, who had, I think, two carries, uh, three carries in the entire regular season. Two of them, of course, going for touchdowns, but uh, three carries the entire season uh, had 14.6 points in a playoff game. Tremendous value. Uh, he, he, of course, scored a touchdown on a weird play where Armando Sewell was also in as sort of a blocking fullback. That was kind of weird to watch, but uh, Trevor Harris ran the bootleg and then threw it to McCarty, who kind of snuck behind the defense. It was, it was great, and hey, that's, that's roster salary cap flexibility. 
another contrarian pick there, Darvin Adams on, on that team, also had a big game, uh, along with Trevor Harris, C.J. Gable, and the Eskimos defense, rounding out a great, weight, a great week for B.H. Eggs, who led the first week of the playoffs, again, 80 points. Uh, and I think that was the optimal lineup. I know Hannah does the best at plugging these numbers in. But I don't think anybody could have scored higher. I think at that salary, yeah. that's as good as you're getting, which makes me immediately yeah, suspicious. I, How did you? Who takes so two too. Edmonton running backs? Yeah, it, it's what, what were you saying of the four running backs this week? Three of them were from Edmonton. The, the, out of the four top running back scores, three were Edmonton. Yeah. What first, that's third, a, and fourth? That's a ridiculous stat. Uh, Western Willie. By the way, you thought you'd heard the last of him. Well, I'm, I bring up his name because he was our regular season champ, so I just wanted to check in on him naturally uh, and see how he's doing. Well, he had a terrible week, and I'm not trying to rub it in. I mean, Western Willie, like you, you got your wow, ring. Wow, Jeff. You got your Yeah, no. it kind of seems like you're trying to rub it in, actually. You got your ring. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's got his ring. He's got his trip to Grey Cup. That ring is really cool. I'm jealous of it. You've got to uh, face him fine. in Calgary. He's going to fight you. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure he's a Riders fan as well. So, I mean, if the Riders win and he's going to Grey I don't think he's going to be too upset. Uh, but he had a terrible week. All Stampeders. <laughs> maybe, he's a Stamp- maybe he's a Stamps fan, but... Um, there were no riders from Detroit, so I'm not sure. Uh, but he had uh, Bo Levi Mitchell, Hergie Mayala, and the Calgary defense all having really tough performances and 18.3 weeks in total, which looks really bad. Uh, an unheard of total for the regular season, but yeah, that can happen with a five man roster. That can happen in the playoffs where your 80 points, that's the best you're going to see. And, and yeah, some people held to under 20 points. And as Pat mentioned, some really big busts this week as well. Uh, quickly, among the three of us, uh, I had 64 points to lead. Uh, Pat was close behind, still still well within range at 55 points, about a nine-point difference, uh, and Hannah in the rear at 42 points. But uh, that, that kind of ground could be made up quickly. And, and well, Pat the, cheated, the... and Jeff had a spiritual <laughs> moment watching warm-ups, so I, I got nothing That's true. here. As I was, it really was a spiritual, majestic moment. I will say, I was as I was standing on the sideline, looking up at the mountain and the old McGill campus surrounding the beautiful Montreal skyline. All that was missing was the sun and a little bit more warmth. But one of my favorite places to take in a CFL game. I will say that much. And yeah, just came to me that Trevor Harris was was going to be a top performer. All right, Dane Evans. Had 21 and 24 points in his two games against the Esks this year. Statistically pretty similar to Harris. Their their prices pretty similar as well. Uh, two of the higher priced quarterbacks in the game this week. So how are we feeling about Dane Evans specifically? We've already talked about Trevor Harris uh, extensively. Pat, you're a big fan of this guy. I am, and for me, I think he's my most intriguing play of the week uh, because if you're going to want to take one of the no-questions-asked starting quarterbacks, he is the least expensive. Now, he's not cheap. He's coming in at just under $9,200, but compare that to Harris at about 10,400 and Fajardo at 10,700 if he plays like that's a that's a significant gap on a $30,000 salary cap and I don't feel like the potential ceiling there is all that different now the one thing Fajardo gives you is those rushing touchdowns which is obviously very 
valuable in a league like this and in, in a game like this. But I, I feel like the the difference that you're going to get from Fajardo to Evans of you know about fifteen hundred dollars isn't uh, isn't enough for me to be swayed not to go to Evans. So I think Evans is my number one quarterback play in week number or I guess in in playoff week number two. And and I, I don't it's not like I love the matchup Edmonton uh, especially with Harris there and the offense being able to keep the the defense off the field a little bit like Edmonton was the number one passing defense in the CFL during the regular season and and now that they've got a quarterback that can move the ball uh, and and a ball possession quarterback I think they move back into being uh, a big time factor but I still I still do like Dane Evans because I, I don't like any of the matchups I think all four quarterbacks that play in this in this weekend will uh, have a tough time being super productive. So that's why I really like Evans this week. I think this is a great matchup for Dane Evans. I really do. And I see a lot of similarities between Evans and Trevor Harris. They both make quick reads. They get rid of the ball uh, very fast. They seem to be able to beat blitzes. Uh, they've both got some unbelievable receivers. Uh, and... I like this scenario, and I think not enough is being said about this. Uh, Yeah, the Eskimos look good on paper. That could be a really good game. That could also be a blowout. And would any of the three of us be really shocked if that game ends up just being an absolute one-sided win for the Ticats? I mean, raise your hand, because I wouldn't be. Um, My hand is raised. It's just the crossover scenario, right? The fact that history is not on the Eskimos side no team has ever done this before and the Eskimos have had success winning semifinal games as a crossover team I think they're three and one in that situation uh just like any other team in CFL history they have never won that second game and we've seen teams uh head over there and get absolutely blown out uh the Eskimos they've I believe they've flown they've already flown back uh to Edmonton they're going to make another trip all the way east. Um, that's going to be a tired team coming off a physical game against the Alouettes who play hard. And the Ticats are well-rested. I just think there's the potential, the potential at least, uh, for this game to be incredibly one-sided, which which puts a lot of risk on the Eskimos. And I, I'm liking my odds with Ticats offensive players this week. I like. I don't think that you're wrong in your reasoning uh, at all. I just because you're right. I mean, the the crossover has historically been very difficult for the West Division team, especially in that second game, um, especially with that really good East Division team waiting. And I mean, uh, that that you can't completely ignore history. However. I just feel like we've talked about it all year long. I I felt all year long that the Eskimos were a team that we never really should be writing off. Like, I know that they were extremely disappointing in the second half of the season, but they always seemed like a team that was underachieving as opposed to a team that didn't have the ability. And and that's, that's why I look at this and say... Yeah, I guess you can never count out the blowout because of how difficult it's been for crossover teams, especially in that second game. But this this does whether Edmonton wins or not and makes history. I don't know. I just it would be a surprise if it ends up being a blowout to me because I do think at their best both teams are very evenly matched. Now I also thought that Calgary Winnipeg was going to be extremely close and that turned into a second half blowout. So these things can happen. I just I still would be surprised if if that's how this played out. I I wouldn't be entirely surprised. We've seen the Esks have an effective game everywhere except the red zone before and I I wouldn't be shocked to see Hamilton the league's best defense do that to them in this game. I think it's going to be a really hard place to play this week. I'm 
going to be leaning heavily on on Hamilton's players, although they're pretty expensive. The one place you are going to save a couple hundred dollars is in that quarterback area. As we get to receivers, you're getting those incredibly expensive players. Banks is up at that $14,000 mark, as high as he can get. Addison up at $10,000. How would you possibly go about fitting a Brandon Banks into your lineup when the salary's capped at 30k? Do you do you consider it is it even possible? How many spots do you have to leave blank in order to do that? You probably couldn't go with a defense, that's for sure. Yeah. Prob- no. You know, I probably shouldn't have gone with a defense last week. It would have had four more points, <laughs> yeah. but I digress. That's what um, I was thinking. You probably yeah. You probably would be. You probably have to go defenseless if you wanted to go down that road. And hey, look, I mean, we didn't get a chance to see Brandon Banks in last year's playoffs. Remember that shoulder injury had him done for the year. This guy, I even go back to the 2014 Grey Cup and that punt return that I know it didn't end up counting and it got called back. But I, I, I this guy seems like the type of player that is able to be the guy in huge pressure situations. So I, I'm not going to go down that road. And, and, you know, I had trouble putting a $14,000 player in with a $40,000 salary cap, even more difficult with a $30,000 salary cap. But I, um, I look at this and if you have gone down that road before during regular season games, I can understand if you were to do it now because I do think he's going to have a good game. I, I do feel like he's going to be a whole lot closer to his ridiculously high ceiling as opposed to his acceptable floor. That's that's what I'm feeling for Banks in this game. I think if I were to go with Brandon Banks, and and I do think that I do still think that Braylon Addison is is a pretty respectable alternative. We'll touch on that in a second. But if I'm going with a lineup with Brandon Banks, I, I think the one I like, and this is crazy but it's so crazy it might work, is Dane Evans, Brandon Banks, and I've got, you could choose any receiver really, under under $7,000, I've got Ricky Collins, a three-person lineup. But, I mean, what's a good week in the playoffs? You're looking at 60, 70 points, you'd be pretty happy with that. Well, I mean, say Dane Evans puts up 20 and Brandon Banks gets 30, that's 50, and, and you get another 10 to 15 from, from Ricky Collins, which I think is a fair projection. Um, you're looking at 60-plus points. You just got to hope that there's no room for error. You just got to hope that all three of those guys are going to have really big games and be the three highest-performing players. But if Brandon Banks has one of those weeks where he goes off for 40 points and nobody's picking him because he's, he's too expensive, there's a good chance you're going to have the best week out of everybody. So I don't think it's – in this situation, I mean, last week the top players had were around 20 points. In this situation – I don't think it's that crazy. It's kind of crazy. A three-man roster? But so crazy it might work? So crazy it might work, sure. But it is crazy to willingly play three tell players. It, tell us how that goes. Yeah, I want to see you do that, Jeff. Let's do a Monday lock-in I mean, Brandon Banks. I'm curious to see when the projections come out from Daily Roto to see if stacking three of those top guys uh, would give you a good projection. I'm really curious to see that. I mean, they'll, they'll never project a Brandon Banks to hit 30 points, but we all know it's possible. Oh, for it's sure. happened. I mean, that's a, why he's 14. A 40-point game is possible from Brandon Banks, and yeah, that would do it. That would be worth the salary. Uh, the the more reasonable, slightly 
option at number one is Braylon Addison, but still up at $9,700. Not a ton of involvement down the stretch, just 166 yards, no touchdowns in his last three games. Um, would you prefer to look there simply price-wise? Uh, I am a little... I'm a little curious about his lack of involvement in recent weeks. And, and uh, I mean, the numbers, yeah, the numbers aren't great. He, he's just over 50 yards per game with no touchdowns over the last three contests. It, it's Braylon Addison has thrived on volume and being that guy that's going to get a ton of targets. But that was when Luke Tasker was out. And Luke Tasker missed most of the season. Uh, they've got a lot of receivers there between uh, Banks, Addison, Luke Tasker, uh, Jalen Acklin, who's been really good on the outside. He, he was up for an award for top rookie uh, and just just barely edged uh, by Jake Winicky. But, I, I mean, you add in the possibility of Jalen Marshall playing uh, or Marcus Tucker, one of those guys. Uh, Tyrell Sutton gets involved in the passing game. And I just wonder if there are enough targets to go around, uh, especially with the way that Brandon Banks is going to be involved. So I think with Luke Tasker being back in the lineup, there is a little bit more risk involved uh, with a player like Braylon Addison. Now, uh, spoiler alert, because we'll talk about pick trends, but Addison is the third most owned player right now. So going into the week, it's very early. It's Monday, uh, but so far, uh, fantasy players seem to love that Braylon Addison pick. I tend to agree with you, though. And and the one guy of the group uh, of a very talented group of Hamilton receivers, the one guy that you can be pretty sure of is going to have a solid game is Banks. So because of that, I, I have pause for some of the other receivers. And, and look, Addison does cost a pretty penny. He has had an incredible season, and I, I give him all the credit in the world. And, and, geez, for the first half of the season, it felt like he was giving you incredible value on on your picks every week. But uh, for right now, it's I, I do feel like it's a little more risky than it would have been at, uh, at other times in the season. I'm going to be honest. I'm having a tough time with, I guess my roster as a whole, because Dane Evans is my number one QB pick right now, but I'm having trouble figuring out who to stack that with for the exact reasons you've said. Banks, too expensive. Addison, kind of giving me pause. Tasker, he had a good appearance uh, in his last game, but not a lot of players playing for Hamilton. He was just coming back from injury, trying to shake off some rust. I don't really know where to go here. Tasker, probably the most affordable Somewhat reliable option at 6700 It's a tough one. Ackland's there, too. J- Jalen Ackland's there, too. But then you're talking about a receiver who's, what, fourth now in the pecking order? Yeah. So, yeah, it is tough. I mean, if you love the Ticats passing offense, I don't know. Maybe the best move is Dane Evans, and then you look elsewhere at receiver. It's, it's, possible, that's, it's possible that's the best route here. Let's talk running backs. Um Matchup seems to be between CJ Gable and Tyrell Sutton, although I think we're going to have to wait for some depth charts here. Uh, like we said earlier, three of the top four running back plays were all on Edmonton, so the ball getting spread around a lot there. I assume there's going to be somewhat of a share in Hamilton as well as some of their running backs get healthy. Where are we looking running back-wise? I'm interested in I'm interested in Hamilton's running game for sure. I'm interested to see what Terrell Sutton uh, what he can do in this game, and and I I quite liked him 
after he signed that contract late in the season. And I know that he kind of got sparingly used because the Ticats were where they were and they weren't really going to be moving from top spot in the East Division. But I, I liked what I saw from him. So he's he's relatively affordable uh, in terms of what some of the other running backs cost right now. Um, to get him at under $6,000 compared to Powell or Gable uh, or Andrew Harris, I, I think that you're liking that price tag. And, and I think that he will be the number one guy on the depth chart, so I, I I don't mind the Sutton play at all, and the one area where you have been able to rack up some yards over the regular season on Edmonton has been on the ground, so for all those reasons, I, I feel like the one that intrigues me the most, um, as, as good as Gable and Cooper were, and Gable specifically from a fantasy standpoint uh, for Edmonton, I still think Sutton's the most interesting one for me. I think Gable got enough touches against Montreal for me to say, yeah, he's he's Easily the number one running back there. Um, I mean, he outtouched Cooper on the ground, uh, fourteen to two, and then Shaq Cooper did add five receptions, which is nice. Cooper giving you good value if you're trying to save a little bit of money. Uh, but Gable also had two catches on three targets, and he he gets the majority of carries around the goal line. What scares me about any Eskimos running back this week is the Ticats' run defense, and especially running between the tackles on them, which is the type of running back Gable is. Uh, the the Ticats are good, and we talked about them earlier in the year as, as one of the elite. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, we talked about them earlier in the year as a struggling run defense. Uh, over the second half, they've corrected that. They've become one of the better run defenses in the whole CFL. They've been playing at a really, really, really high level. And uh, Dylan Wynn in the middle with Ted Laurent, that's, that's really tough to beat. Uh, and Jagger Davis also. I mean, the Stamps have missed him this year. I, I think he provides really good support. Uh, not just as a pass rusher, but support against the run as well. So uh, of all the running backs, I like Sutton this week. I think the Ticats have demonstrated that, that they're willing to lean on him as that number one guy. And as Hannah said, we'll have to check the depth charts because the Ticats have surprised us all season. But it seems like this is the one time when there's been a little bit of predictability there. And it seems like this is Sutton's backfield. And I think he's going to have some opportunities uh, to make some plays against an Eskimos defense that loves to send pressure. I think Sutton gets some catches. I think he'll get some yards on, on the draws. And, and if the Ticats, if you think the Ticats are going to win, you're, you're going to like your odds uh, at him getting some touches uh, down near the goal line as well. On the whole, the, the running back play is very interesting this week because, like you said, don't typically want to play running backs against Hamilton or Winnipeg. Uh, Andrew Harris's running totals were kind of eaten up by Strebler, which we'll talk about. So, yeah, I, I look towards Hamilton as well, but I will double-check that depth chart and just make sure they're leaning towards the way we're, we're thinking. One more topic for the East. Uh, we already talked about Trevor Harris, but how do you feel about his receivers this week? Ellingson was right up there in totals. I think he had the second-highest total uh, of any player in fantasy this week, or would you look more value-based? Are you going with the higher price if you're feeling Edmonton? Personally, I think all of Edmonton's receivers need to be on the table. With Harris back, I think that all of them are, are legitimate and valid plays. Like I wouldn't be shying away from them. Uh, the, the same way, like if even I guess even less so, like we just talked about Braylon Addison and how he might not be the nine thousand, ten thousand dollar player he's valued at because some of the targets 
you know, might uh, might go other places. Whereas Ellingson for under eight thousand, and Collins for around six thousand, and Devaris Daniels for around five thousand. I really like those plays, even going up against a good Hamilton team. So I think with Harris back, all of Edmonton's receiving options should be on the table and will be for me. Yeah, I'm a really big Ricky Collins fan. I just think he looks the part, and he's become uh, a really favorite target of Trevor Harris. Uh, the last two weeks he's played since Harris returned to the lineup, uh, Collins has had 216 yards on just 13 targets, which, you know, 13 targets is enough, but it shows that he's making the most out of his opportunities. And that's been all season for him. 121 targets, 84 catches. So you're talking about a really good uh, conversion rate there. I'm no mathematician, but what's that, about two of every three? I mean, that's... That's really good territory to have uh, as a receiver uh, among the, the CFL's elite. And I think the price tag is really good and reflects a player that yeah, he, he struggled a little bit when Harris was out of the lineup. To me, that's an advantage right now. And you're getting Ricky Collins at a really good rate uh, of around $6,000. So of all the receivers there, he's my favorite. All right, let's jump to the West because we've got another game going on there. It's another... Uh banjo bowl another labor day classic for the fourth time this year winnipeg and saskatchewan meet, meeting up uh this one at mosaic two of the best run defenses we know that so are we avoiding the running backs in this game altogether powell not super effective up against this winnipeg rundy harris had less than 10 points last week 8.7 the leading rusher in that game was chris streveler uh, is this a situation to avoid completely? I am. I'm not really interested in playing either guy. You've got the top two run defenses in the CFL, uh, and and I just and I look in saying that I know that uh, Winnipeg was able to rack up almost 200 yards combined against a very good run defense in in Calgary in their own right, but it wasn't just Harris. Streveler took a lot of those carries from him. Uh, Nick Dembski uh, had some pretty productive yards on the ground too. So, uh, now I don't know if it's going to be the same game plan for Winnipeg against Sask, but I just look at those matchups. Those are those are two teams that are extremely stout when it comes to that part defensively. So I'm I'm a little worried about it because Powell was not super effective. You're right in those games against uh, against Winnipeg and Harris's salary, knowing who he's going up against, is a little scary too. So I'm I'm wary of both myself. Well. Pat, you're the Marcus Thigpen whisperer here, so to speak, or uh, <laughs> predicting big breakouts from really cheap running backs. I mean, why don't you, why don't you pull out your your water diviner here and 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 find out? Uh, let us know. Hey, is is Marcus Thigpen going to be involved like he has See, been the this last week's couple of Calvin weeks? Because McCarty? if he is, yeah. Well, I, I mean. I trust Thigpen. I, hey, I'll put it to you this way. I'm a lot more prepared to take a gamble on Marcus Thigpen than I am on Calvin McCarty. Well, and I do think there's a chance in a what, what could turn into a real tough kind of grinded-out football game. In that type of game, I think Thigpen's got some value, especially once you're inside the 20-yard the line. So I, I, could, I could see it. I don't know if I'm willing to go down that road unless I, I really... If, if, if I'm really into 
some higher price receivers or if I want to go with one of the you know $10,000 quarterbacks then Thigpen's an interesting option uh, for me I like some of the other running back plays more and just to pour water on on me being the whisperer I also <laughs> felt like Shaq Cooper was going to be the, the biggest X factor and, and a huge point scorer in the East Division semifinal and you know how big a fan I am of CJ Gable too well I thought Cooper might be the, the guy to get the most points well Gable was the guy who got those two huge runs inside the 10. So uh, maybe Whisperer's a little uh, a little too complimentary. <laughs> hey, Just let you Jeff know, give you credit, man. Thick, yeah, take it from me. I, I, I don't give it often, but hey, Thickpen, he's he's an old guy. He's got those old legs. Uh, they've been giving him some rest this year, and I, I think this is what you're saving him for. I think he's one of your biggest weapons on that on that offense right now. I mean, he's he's definitely got a unique skill set, and if, if they're going to activate him and really get him going in the screen game, uh, we saw a little bit of that in the, in the final game against the Eskimos. I think this is the week to do it. So if I'm going to take a gamble on a cheap running back, uh, even a cheap money pick in your flex, I think this is the time to do it uh, in a game that. Yeah, you're not running up. You're not running between the tackles 20 times with William Powell. I'll tell you that much for free. So, hey, I, I think this is the time to get Big Pen involved, and it's it's in my mind right now. I'm thinking about it. I like the pick. I I prefer it if I had approval from Pat on this, but uh, yeah, I, I'm thinking of risking it this week. Well, listen, you've got approval of some people because Marcus Thigpen is on these pick trends. Uh, taking a quick look at the very early pick trends, Dane Evans leads all players, top quarterback, top player selected as far as quarterbacks. Second place, Zach Caleros, followed by Trevor Harris and Cody Fajardo coming up fourth. Chris Strebler is on the board, I will mention, in the top 25 picks. So people are, are feeling that backup play, I guess, hoping for the rushing touchdowns. At running back and second overall, William Powell is the highest selected running back, followed by Terrell Sutton, C.J. Gable, Andrew Harris, Marcus Thigpen, then Cameron Marshall. At receiver, Braylon Addison, your most selected wide receiver, third overall, followed by Greg Ellingson, Shaq Evans, Ricky Collins, Devaris Daniels, Brandon Banks up there in the top 20 as well. So what stands out? What surprises you from these early weeks pick trends so far? Uh... William Powell, I mean, we just talked about that, but William Powell's one of them for sure. I, 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 I mean, of all the running backs, I'm staying away from Powell and Harris. So uh, the other one is probably Cameron Marshall. But, uh, again, check that depth chart because I, I don't see him getting the start in that game. I really don't. I know he had. I know he finished the season with a strong outing, but uh, that's another one I'm staying away from. I'm also surprised with how many people own Brandon Banks. And we talked about him as a contrarian pick, but... Yeah, he's pretty high up there for a guy of his price, so uh, definitely some sacrifices being made there. But those are my early conclusions on on the pick trends right now. Uh, I'm also a little surprised that there's um, not more people jumping on some of the the big play players from Winnipeg in, in the West Division semifinal. Like I'm a little surprised that Darvin Adams is as low as he is. A little surprised that Nick Dembski is as low as he is. I thought that there might be some people jumping on that bandwagon seeing if they can catch lightning in a bottle uh, two weeks in a row. So, whoops, that's a little surprising. Um, otherwise, yeah, I would I would say William Powell would be the, him being the second most picked player again early on this week. Um, that would be my biggest surprise. How about the Chris Straveler play? 
Anybody feeling bold enough to do that? I believe he's still more expensive than Zach Caleros. I'm thinking about it. Oh. I really am. Like, Dane Evans is my number one pick. But, geez, like, you're you're getting Streveler for under $6,000, so you change your expectations a little bit. But just think about, you know, the way they use Streveler in the second half and how effective he he, he looked. And what really impressed me most is that the Stampeders, and I talked to a couple people on the Stamps leading into the game, and... You know, talking to some people involved in in that game plan, and and they they had no illusions of what was how ha- if if they saw Streveler, they knew he was running it, they knew it was a designed play, and they knew he was probably coming right into the heart of their defense. So they knew exactly what they were facing every time Streveler was behind center, and yet they couldn't stop him. He still averaged more than six yards a carry. Like the fact that the Stamps knew exactly what they were getting every time that he was in there, and he still was able to be that effective, and still busted off that long run, and still came away with the touch. Touchdown. You're like, that's impressive stuff. So just think about if he's used even more in the entire game. And, and we're talking about, you know, 95 rushing yards and, and two rushing touchdowns for Streveler, and you get him for under $6,000. Whew. That's, that's something that I think you really need to consider, especially if you like some of the higher priced receivers in this game if you're a big fan of banks and you want them in there or if you're if you really want to go with like addison and ellingson because you like the way that 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 hamilton game is going to go then i think you have to be considering streveler i don't think it's a bad play at all i really don't you're giving me a lot to think about i i might get wacky with my lineup this week well it's it's risky though right i mean it's definitely a risk and that's that's what that's what comes with that territory because to to make an impact in fantasy you got to play and I mean, Zach Kolaros is clearly the starter on this team. There's, there's no debating that anymore. I mean, the way he, he reads the defense, he's the quarterback. He's the guy that they want on the field uh, in those critical second down passing situations. I think the game script had a ton to do with what the Bombers were able to do with Chris Streveler and Andrew Harris and Nick Dembski and having those three players as rushers sort of playing off each other. And we saw it with the Nick Dembski touchdown run. Uh, we saw some play action with Dembski and Harris and then Streveler keeping it himself. Uh, Paul Apolise had a lot of fun with it. And that's all fine and great when you're beating the Calgary Stampeders by, what, 20 points in the fourth quarter? Sure, yeah. Is that going to happen again? Is that going to happen on the road against the Riders? Because if you're not certain, uh, it, it might be really difficult for the Bombers to repeat what they were able to do last week. We have seen times this year when opponents have been able to shut down Chris Streveler and make the Bombers one-dimensional. And if that's happening, it's going to be a lot of passing from Zach Caleros and a lot of handoffs to Andrew Harris. So it's a risk. It's interesting. Uh, it's the ultimate I'm not going contrarian right play, now. right? Yeah. It, yeah. It, it would be the ultimate contrary play. I will say yeah. some teams have been able to shut him down, but I think his most effective ground game came against Sask in the Banjo Bowl. We saw him drag three grown men over and over to get that first down. He was unstoppable <laughs> that game. So I am tempted. Uh, what about quarterback position uh, on the other side of the ball? Are we at all concerned about Cody Fajardo? He's had a little bit of time to rest, but... He was out with that back injury. It is possible that one hit coming in the wrong direction can tweak something like that. And uh, then your total's in trouble. Are we thinking about him or is he kind of off our radar completely? He's not off my radar completely at all. But I'm concerned. It's a back injury, right? It's a back injury. I mean, I 
I've had a sore back before. I've never had a major injury. I've had a sore back before, and it is debilitating. You can't do anything if you've got a bad back. So if there are any ill effects of that, uh, that is going to affect Cody Fajardo in a very negative way. And we may even see Isaac Harker in that game. Takes a bad hit. Uh, the back flares up again. Who knows? Uh, so I, I would have to be feeling pretty confident that he's going to play the full game. If he is, if he is, uh, I love the play. I mean, he's, he would be one of my top plays. Cody Fajardo is the quarterback in the CFL that just should not be. I mean, he was been a third stringer his whole career. Um, for, for, for whatever reason, a short yardage quarterback, and the Riders take a chance on him, and, and, and Caleros gets hurt, and he becomes great. And Cody Fajardo has been exceptional by every possible metric. Uh, not throwing picks. Uh, I was doing some research. His mid-game, uh, his mid-range passing game has just been exceptional. He's been the best quarterback in the CFL in that 10 to 19-yard range. I mean, it, it's just incredible. This isn't just a running quarterback. And in a matchup against the Bombers, uh, who teams just don't run against, Cody Fajardo is going to have the ball in his hands probably 75% of the time. I mean, that's a fantasy goldmine for me. The question, again, it's going to come down to the injury. So I, I'm really I'm really going to be monitoring practice reports. Uh, how active is he in practice? This reminds me of the Zach Calero situation a year ago uh, when Zach would throw to the side uh, maybe a few passes each practice and everybody on the riders kept saying, he's going to play, he's going to play. And then Saturday rolls around and yeah, he's not going to play. Uh, you know, the, the mind games come into play here. Uh, the coaches tell the media one thing. What do you believe? I don't know. It's, it's going to be... Um, dramatic it's going to be theatrical uh and i i don't know i i really don't because if fajardo's healthy i'm thinking something completely different and i want him in my lineup i uh i'm gonna be listening and I, i'm gonna actually need jeff to be a team player and tell us how he's looking at practice because <laughs> you're uh, going to winnipeg and then into regina like if 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 I get if if you're starting to read and you know Jeff can if Jeff doesn't want to be a team player you can always find out more on CFL.ca etc. But um, yeah, I I just want to know how he's looking. I want to see what some of the reports are. I want to hear uh, what people are saying about Fajardo. Like if he's a full participant and if he's slinging the ball around in practice and he looks like the guy that he needs to look like in practice, then I'm fully confident in that play. Um, so that's what I'm really interested in. I, I want to see how limited is he in practice? How much do they dial him back in practice? If I'm hearing stuff like that, then for almost $11,000, I'm becoming a whole lot more nervous about that play. If I text you guys after his warm-up and, and tell you one way or the other, are you even going to believe me? Yes. I believe that you are a man of great integrity. Yeah, we saw that when you decided right. not to scam your way into an automatic win by copying uh, Pat's lineup. Wouldn't have even been a scam. It would have been smart killer instinct. Eh. I don't think it's fair, but we won't reopen that debate. <laughs> One more thing on the Bombers before we hit our three-minute warning. Darvin Adams had a somewhat uncharacteristically good game last game. He was... High on the point totals, top five, but he's 21st on the pick trends this week. We know he's talented, but the quarterback play is so inconsistent. Is that what's scaring people off? Is that scaring you guys off? The thing with the Bombers now is, 
Like, remember, Adams was hurt earlier in the season, and then Nichols got hurt, and then Streveler was in, and, and that kind of took a lot of the Bombers receivers off the board for quality fantasy plays because of the way Streveler goes about his business and that offensive game plan. Now that Caleros has a couple of starts under his belt, I, I'm looking at a guy, I'm, I'm looking at Winnipeg receivers a little bit differently, and I don't think there's any doubt, Jeff, that from a pure talent standpoint, Darvin Adams is probably the most talented guy on that roster, and and he's one of the just pound-for-pound most talented receivers in the CFL. You know, the system had worked against him, and some circumstances had worked against him, but with Caleros in, and knowing how that run game, I think, is going to be really hard to come by on Sunday in the West Final... I actually, I, that's that's why I'm a little surprised that Adams is so low on the pick trends, and yeah, he's I, I I think he's more viable than people are giving him credit for right now. I feel like he's been such a non-factor at certain times throughout the season, especially after Matt Nichols got hurt, that everybody just kind of has it in their head that this isn't a top fantasy receiver, uh, and yeah. at what six thousand five hundred dollars in salary, he, he's just not on people's radar right now, and. I think it's a chance to be a little bit sneaky, like you said, Pat. I, I do think that this is a solid contrarian pick, just like he was a week ago. And I'm looking at the numbers here, and the targets surprised me. Six targets this past week, which was more than I thought. He only had two catches. Uh, mind you, he had the long one. Um, but he, he's had six or more targets in his last five games. Uh, six of his last seven as well, uh, with one game where he was targeted nine times. So I do think they're starting to find ways to get him the ball, and the threat of a, a true passing quarterback like Zach Caleros, I think that bodes really well for him. And six targets, uh, that's considering the fact that the Bombers basically just teed off on the stamps in the second half when they had the lead uh, in the ground game. It, it became just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball with Chris Strebler, uh and Andrew Harris and Nick Dembski. And, I think Darvin Adams could have a really big game against this Riders team. I'm, I'm really interested in, it, in him as a pick this week. By the way, side note, but that that throw by Zach Kolaros to Darvin Adams, 71 yards, the touchdown. Yeah. 40 yards, that ball was in the air. 40 yards, that ball was in the air. And that was against Trey Roberson. That thing was on a frozen rope. Uh, pardon the pun because it was cold, but that thing was on a frozen rope. That was an incredible throw. If, if you don't think that Zach Kolaros has elite talent at least possesses elite talent not not saying he is an elite quarterback at this time but if you had any doubt about Zach Claris and what he can do uh watch that play do yourself a favor and watch that play because that was incredible and don't forget the touchdown pass that he hit Adams with in the corner of the end zone on that vintage Zach Caleros play in Winnipeg's regular season finale at IG Field. Remember, he scrambled, he scrambled, he got away, and boom, there's Adams right on the edge of the end zone, and he nailed him with that throw. So I'm I'm with you, Jeff, and, and I was skeptical of Caleros going into his uh, first start with Winnipeg a number of weeks ago, but in both his starts since joining the Bombers, he showed that he can still make those elite plays and right now I think the playbook is still fairly thin in terms of what they're using and I think the game plan is still very conservative with him but he has the he has the ability to make one one or two of those big plays even knowing that so I I've I've seen the same things with Zach okay we're running long we're hitting our three minute warning three minute warning now or is it it is the warning. This is where we make our money picks. That's a player three thirty five hundred dollars or less. 
They are uh, running a little low these days. And our lock of the week, I will say, we are recording this on a Monday. Games are not until Sunday. Instead of the safe sound effect that I normally use, it's not really a safe lock of the week. It's more of like that lock on your diary in elementary school where all of the keys fit the same lock. It's kind of there for show. (laughs) That's kind of what the lock of the week is Uh. this week. Really? Did you have a diary in elementary school? Who among us did not have a diary to write the most cringy things and then burn in adulthood? Because if they were ever found, you would never live it down. No? Just me? I got Marcus Thigpen as my money. I think we talked about him earlier, so I won't go into details too much. But I do think that this is a scenario where the Riders have made sure uh, he's fresh throughout the season. Uh, He's one of their top game breakers. And uh, this is a chance to sort of deploy their X factor. So I look for Marcus Digpen to get involved. And all he needs is one touch to find the end zone. He's just one of those special talents. I'm just going to make an executive decision. This qualifies (laughs) as a money pick by $2. um, Or or, sorry, it exceeds our our cap by $2. Uh, But I really like to play in a Drew Walatarski. Yeah, in in a game like this one where I think it's going to be really tight between Sask and Winnipeg, I think Drew Walatarski of the Bombers uh, has a chance to to be one of those sleeper guys. He got targeted three times in the game against Calgary in the West Semi. He caught all three of those passes. He got you about six points. uh, And for $3,500, you can live with six points. But what if if one of those three catches, maybe he gets targeted five five targets in the West Final uh, because maybe Darvin Adams does get shaded a little bit and what if one of those targets is an end zone target and he comes down with it that's not out of the question at all I think he'll be involved in the game plan and I think that if you're talking about a floor of like five or six points uh, for a $3,500 receiver and a ceiling of like 12 or 15 uh, I really like Will Latarski he's 3502 sue me (laughs) we'll allow it Uh, I'm gonna go with a $2,500 player who you know, boomer bust at that price. Janarian Grant getting a lot of action on those punt returns. Actually had a rush. Um, kick returns, miss field goal returns. This guy's fast. You never know when he's going to bust out for one. And those, uh, those kick returns can be a huge game changer in these games specifically. So, I don't know. You might want to think about it with $2,500 left. Our not-so-locked lock of the week, our Monday lock of the week... Jeff, would you like to lead us off? I've got Dane Evans. I know it's his first career playoff start, but I like this matchup for the Ticats against the Eskimos. The Ticats have a dominant offensive line. I think the Eskimos are going to have to try to blitz to get to Dane Evans and to get some pressure off him. And just the targets that he's got, the short to mid-range accuracy that he's got. Um, He's got Addison as a release valve. Uh, He can go over the top and and hit Brandon Banks on the deep ball. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily uh, trust a a ton of the Eskimos uh, defensive backs, especially with the injuries that they've had. Uh, I think it's going to be a really big game uh, for Dane Evans, who's going to continue proving that he is one of the best up-and-coming young quarterbacks uh, in the CFL and and is a star Made to be a star for a very long time in this league. I'm going to stick with the East Division final as well. And the only number one running back that I really like this week is Terrell Sutton of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I just feel like... uh, 
Gable, uh, Harris, Powell are all a little bit too expensive for my blood this week, and and especially with Powell and, and Harris, I just I don't love the uh, I don't love that matchup. So for me, Sutton at under six thousand dollars, I think he's going to be on top of the depth chart. This is why we say there's a heavy suggestion because we don't know exactly what things are going to look like when depth charts get published. But I'm going to go with Terrell Sutton. I think he's in line for a big game against the Eskimos. I have changed my roster three times since we started recording this, so I don't necessarily feel good locking in a position player. What I will say is that if I do start a defense, which is not sitting at 100% right now, I'm going to go with Hamilton. I think that Trevor Harris can have an effective game as far as completions and moving the ball down the field. I'm just not sold on the fact that he will be the one getting it into the end zone if they get it into the end zone all that much. So I guess I'll go with Hamilton defense. If I start a defense, it will be Hamilton. Here's my lock of the week. And I guess usually don't go very well together. Well, you know what? Games are six days from now. So it's early. what are you going to do? It is early. All right, friends. Let's uh, let's wrap it up. Uh, Jeff, give us some final thoughts and uh, tell us where we can go for projections and such. Head on over to CFL.ca under the Fantasy tab. We got all sorts of advice from Daily Roto uh, projections, rankings, uh, start and sit advice. Also, get pumped, get fired up for the playoffs. Two big games on Sunday. Listen to the waggle because they're previewing everything. Donovan Bennett. Uh, Davis Sanchez, you may have seen him on the panel with TSN, doing his thing. They're going to get you prime. They're going to get you in the mood for some football this weekend. Uh, and make sure you subscribe and listen to us every week. We are on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, or you can listen to us right on CFL.ca. And the CFL Fantasy Podcast is presented by Leo Vegas. You can find us on Twitter. Hannah's at HL Nordman. Jeff's at Jeff Creever. I'm at Fan960 Steinberg. That'll do it. Enjoy the West Final. Enjoy the East Final. And we will be back with a Grey Cup edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast next week. Enjoy the football, everybody. 